What's going on, family? Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I'm your man, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you are doing well. Whenever you are listening to this, I hope that life is absolutely fantastic for you. You deserve great things, and certainly if you've been a fan of The Faction and all things pro wrestling, yeah, you deserve great things just for continuing to support. And so we really appreciate you for doing that. Shouts to all of you who join us, of course, on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. Big shouts to all of you who are subscribed to our podcast and all of the spaces and places that you can find us. Thank you so very much. Hey, if you checked out our last show where we spent some time talking about the latest happenings in the NWA and at Elimination Chamber, we really appreciate it. Do me a favor and share what we're doing with your friends and followers. There are lots of spaces where you can check out what we're doing and we'd love for you to do that. The more the merrier. So let people know about the faction, share it on the socials and in other spaces where you love to talk about wrestling. I highly doubt that you're the only one in your community who likes wrestling. If nobody else does, all of us here at the faction absolutely do. So it was a big weekend in pro wrestling. Of course, on the WWE side of things, we had Elimination Chamber, which was absolutely crazy. At the same time, on the same night, or at least overlapping toward the main event of Elimination Chamber, was Battle in the Valley from New Japan Pro Wrestling. It happened at the San Jose Civic Center in San Jose, California. And here in the States, you were able to check it out with English commentary on Fight TV. Handling the commentary duties was not the normal New Japan English-speaking commentators. Normally in Japan, that happens to be Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton, but certainly the U.S. team handled it this time around, and it was Part of the team, and I do say part of the team that you would find for NJPW Strong, that would be Ian Riccoboni of Ring of Honor fame. He partnered with Matthew Raywald, a.k.a. the Drama King from Impact Wrestling. And also Scott Demore from Impact Wrestling was a part, at least for the very first match. So Battle in the Valley, a huge, huge moment. It had a double main event, and we're going to run through the whole card right now. If you've not watched Battle in the Valley and you'd like like to you don't want any spoilers then press pause finish watching and then come back if you've already seen the show or you've seen the results and spoilers don't matter then keep on listening because we're going to deep dive into battle in the valley so with that said there was a pre-show that started this thing off there were two matches on the pre-show the pre-show featured alex coughlin who defeated jr kratos and then david finley defeated bobby fish i should start by saying one of the interesting things here about new japan is of course the la dojo that's happening which is one of the reasons why the west coast gets these great shows from new japan pro wrestling i'll talk more about this in just a little bit now to the main card which kicked off with an eight-man tag it saw Kushida Volador Jr. Kevin Knight and the DKC defeat Moscato Dorado the former Lince Dorado Josh Alexander who's the Impact World Champion Adrian Quest and Rocky Romero Kenta defeated Fred Rosser to become the new strong openweight champion and if you're unfamiliar Fred Rosser is the former Darren Young from WWE 
The Motor City Machine Guns, that's Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin, defeated the West Coast Wrecking Crew, the team of Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs, to retain the strong openweight tag team championships. Eddie Kingston defeated Jay White in a Loser Leaves New Japan match, which we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Then from there, Tom Lawler defeated Homicide by submission in a Filthy Rules street fight. That was crazy. Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Clark Connors by submission to retain the New Japan World Television Championship. Mercedes Monet, in one of the co-main events, defeats Kyrie to become the new IWGP Women's World Champion. And then, in the second main event, Kazuchika Okada defeats Hiroshi Tanahashi to retain the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. So there's a few things that we should talk about. Firstly, before we get into the results, let's talk about New Japan Strong. So if you're unfamiliar, New Japan Strong was its own television show for New Japan, helping to establish their presence here in the United States. That show initially was going to be something where they captured a lot of the matches that were happening across the country in New Japan Pro Wrestling of America. Then, of course, the international pandemic happens in 2020. So New Japan Strong actually ends up taking place like most wrestling did in 2020 in an empty arena, literally empty studios filled with wrestlers in the ring referees and producers that's all you had so it's only been until recent that the new japan strong program received an audience well new japan pro wrestling is making some changes and one of those changes is that the weekly show called new japan strong would go away however new japan strong as a brand would now be the name of all things new japan pro wrestling of america so it's simply strong so then when you hear the strong tag team champions the strong open weight champions that's really representing the american side of new japan pro wrestling so understanding that that meant of course that fred rosser was a champion of basically new japan america or new japan strong the motor city machine guns are the tag team champions of new japan strong or new japan of america are we following along i take that as a yes so with that understanding, it is very clear that what's going to happen with New Japan is they are definitely looking to once again expand across America. Making a major footprint in the United States is super important for New Japan. So much so until there is a big event, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but just rock with me for a second. There is a big event that's happening for New Japan Pro Wrestling during WrestleMania week. It's happening Thursday night in LA at the Globe Theater. It's called Multiverse United. Only the strong survive. As Impact Wrestling and New Japan will present a co-produced live show. It's going to be crazy. The main event of that show will see Josh Alexander representing Impact Wrestling, defending the Impact World Championship against Kushida. We also know that Will Ospreay will take on Speedball Mike Bailey. Moose will take on Jeff Cobb as well. So yeah, this is already a super stacked card so understanding this it is clear that new japan strong looks to make a true foothold here in the united states all of that serves as a very interesting backdrop for this pay-per-view 
battle in the valley. Now then, let's talk a bit about these results. First and foremost, in the pre-show, Alex Coughlin defeating J.R. Kratos. Coughlin is a member of the LA Dojo, so that's a big win. J.R. Kratos was just involved in NWA, Nuff said, in the previous weekend. Kratos has, of course, been a part of New Japan Strong since its inception, so it's exciting to see him there. David Finley defeats Bobby Fish by pinfall. Yes, the same Bobby Fish that was formerly part of the Undisputed Era and had a short stint in AEW. He is now in New Japan, basically freelancing at this point. David Finley, who was a part of the Bullet Club, will end up playing a very interesting role later in the show, which I'll tell you about. Now then to the main show. I think this eight-man tag with Kushida, Volador Jr., Kevin Knight, and the DKC against Mascara Dorada, Josh Alexander, Adrian Quest, and Rocky Romero was insane. Star-studded, to say the least. And, of course, knowing that Kushida will be fighting the Impact World Champion in less than six weeks at this Multiverse United card involving Impact and New Japan, that's amazing. But that's certainly the New Japan way to give us a teaser of this locked inside of a multi-man match. So, congratulations. I thought it was a great match and a great look for Kevin Knight, who have had the chance to work with in Battle Slam. He is the first African-American graduate and member of a New Japan dojo. And he's got hops, something special. Absolutely. Kenta becomes a strong open weight champion by defeating Fred Rosser. I think this is a big move for a number of reasons. Kenta's first run in the United States, of course, as part of NXT, was injury-ridden. He was brought in in a big, big way, and I think people thought, I was one of them, that he would end up as the NXT champion, but his body didn't necessarily hold up, and then when his body did start to hold up, his popularity waned. Going back to New Japan Pro Wrestling was a great move for Kenta. It ended up doing a lot of amazing things for him. Kenta joined the Bullet Club over in New Japan. He has definitely done some pretty significant things, been in some great battles for the United States Championship. So seeing him with the Strong Open Weight Championship is great, and it really does make you wonder, okay, what is Kenta going to be doing in New Japan Strong? And certainly, will he take that title over to Japan? He makes history becoming the first Japanese-born wrestler to win the Strong Open Weight Championship. Then from there, of course, the Motor City Machine Guns continue their stranglehold on the Strong Open Weight Tag Team Championships, which makes all the sense in the world. I mean, they are 20 years in, and they still move like they did from day one. It's amazing. But now let's get to the real news because there are a couple of major news items coming out of this pay-per-view now it was literally two weeks ago or basically a weekend ago that same weekend that nuff said happened from the nwa there was also a big big matchup that took place over in new japan pro wrestling it was the final match of the new beginning tour i believe it was in osaka it's where we got to see a few things and one of the big things was jay white taking on hikaleo Loser leaves Japan and Jay White lost. 
which shocked a lot of people. But loser leaves Japan doesn't always mean loser leaves New Japan since there's New Japan Strong. Now, initially during this battle in the valley, it was supposed to be Jay White versus Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, a rematch, dare I say, of what happened at Wrestle Kingdom 17. Instead, this turned into Eddie Kingston versus Jay White in a loser leaves New Japan match. Meaning that if Eddie Kingston lost, he would not be able to wrestle in a New Japan ring again. So for one of these two, it would be the end of the road. Jay White leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling, I'm not sure that we all understand the significance of it. So for fans who are into this product, you know, we're all looking at, okay, well, where will Jay White show up? And certainly it seems like it would be WWE. But before we send him to WWE, because one would figure, why leave New Japan if you're going to work with AEW? The real thing is, do we understand the impact of Jay White? Jay White became the man in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Jay White called his shots against so many people, whether it was Okada, whether it was Kenny Omega. He called his shots and won championships. Jay White was that guy. Jay White particularly in the absence of a Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Cody Rhodes, became the man to pay attention to in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Even when Okada was on the struggle bus for a bit, Jay White was the top guy. Losing Jay White in New Japan is akin to when they lost AJ Styles, when they lost Finn Balor, when they lost Kenny Omega. Now, the good thing for New Japan is Okada is well, Tanahashi's doing well. There are other things that are going on in New Japan right now where the impact will be felt, but it won't be as catastrophic as some of these other maneuvers. But make no mistake about it, Jay White leaving New Japan is big, which means this has set him up well for wherever it is that he could be going. And while there are rumors that he could be going to the WWE, there are also those that believe that maybe WWE is looking in someone else's direction. Now, one of the things I want to be careful about, and we'll continue more on this conversation in just a little bit. So we had a double main event at this pay-per-view, and I'm going to start talking about that double main event when we come back. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yo, 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 it's your boy JTG, aka the author of Damn Why I Write This Book 2, How to Play the Game, and you are listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. Cheers. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see 
all the things that he was doing. They were starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How do we get on to an honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. A few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, there is a new, there will always be an S-H-W. This is the Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks, and you know I only do it one way, and that's big. You're not listening to The Faction. While I'm here, I want to say this. I want to be careful about addressing too many rumors here. And here's why. I, thankfully, am part of the pro wrestling industry, but I'm also very much a fan. And one of the things that I think that the internet wrestling community and all these dirt sheets have done is they have taken or at least attempted to take the element of surprise out of pro wrestling. So with that, I want to do my best to help keep the element of surprise in. So I want to make sure we're talking about possibilities, extrapolating, and news items that have actually happened. So we can talk about Jay White leaving New Japan because he's lost both the Loser Leaves Japan and Loser Leaves New Japan match. Is he going to the WWE? I don't know. I think our tendency once someone leaves another promotion or territory is to think AEW or WWE. Remember a few weeks back we did this when it was announced that Nick Aldis had left the NWA, that his contract ended on January the 1st. So a lot of us at least initially thought that he would show up as a guest at the Royal Rumble. That didn't happen. And as all other things have been going on in WWE and in pro wrestling in general, I think that idea has kind of been slept on or forgotten. But let's remember, as people are talking about free agents, there are a few free agents out there. Nick Aldis being a former NWA champion is definitely one who I think could fit in WWE. Jay White is certainly one. There are rumors out there about Kenny Omega. I don't know if something like that would happen. But I do know that as we get closer to WrestleMania season, there are an awful lot of folks heading to L.A. WrestleMania week. Another name being thrown around is Kota Ibushi, who has said that he would go to the WWE if they would give him a space to train at the Performance Center, as in train new wrestlers. 
So, yeah, with at least four major free agents out there potentially, yeah, there's lots of options. So I don't want to dig too much down the rabbit hole in that regard. I would like to certainly stick with facts, conjecture perhaps, but I'm careful about rumors. With all of that said, let's get back to Battle in the Valley because the whole point is Jay White leaving is a major, major moment. David Finley comes in, attacks Jay White before Jay White could say goodbye. And I don't know if this makes David Finley the new de facto leader of Bullet Club. I'm not sure what happens with this, but I can say it is very similar to every other way that the leader of Bullet Club was unceremoniously kicked out of not just the company, but out of Bullet Club as well. They never really got a chance to say goodbye. Q Finn Balor, Q AJ Styles. Yeah, you know the vibe. So this all gets very interesting. I'm intrigued to see what will happen with David Finley now taking up a new a new role seemingly in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So this leads us to two other pretty big matches. Tom Lawler and Homicide in a filthy rules fight where they literally remove the ropes and these no ropes kinds of matches which give place to thinking about MMA, I think are a new phenomenon in pro wrestling that's really working. If you want to see a really, really good one, go check out the fight pit match that happened a few weeks back at Impact between Kenny King and Speedball Mike Bailey. I was there for that one live, didn't know what to expect, and it was phenomenal. There's something to be said about this, and when people do it right, it is really special, and I think that's what we got with Tom Lawler and Homicide. Tom Lawler wins that match. Three remaining title matches. Zack Sabre Jr. defeats Clark Connors. I thought this was a great match, and it ended with less than a minute in the time limit. So these world television title matches in New Japan are 15 minutes in a time limit. So if you don't win in that 15-minute time frame, the draw defaults to the champion. Here it was, they were under a minute, and in most matches where there's only a minute remaining, we end up in a draw. Not to be, Zack Sabre Jr. makes Clark Connors tap out and then gets challenged by Kevin Knight. I love seeing Kevin Knight getting this potential opportunity. Okay, so how exactly would we classify what would be the main event at New Japan's battle in the valley. Would it be the world title match between Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi, which literally is one of the biggest longstanding feuds in that company's history? Or would it be the proverbial new kids on the block? Kyrie, the brand new IWGP women's champion against the debuting Mercedes Monet. Well, we have to acknowledge a few things that going back to Wrestle Kingdom, Mercedes Monet challenging Kyrie for Battle in the Valley immediately sold Battle in the Valley out. That cannot be denied. No other match had been announced at this point. You're also on U.S. soil and you're giving us the first match of Mercedes Monet since leaving the WWE back in May. So it's been 10 months, almost a year, since we've seen Mercedes in a wrestling ring. What would go down and should this main event? Well, I think New Japan probably did what they had the best ability to do. And that has made it a double main event. Now, why did it have to be a double main event? Here's why I think that. Now, the American side of us says, be daring, New Japan, and end the show with Mercedes Monet and Kyrie. That is what brought all the people there. 
At the same token, I feel like New Japan was trying to say, we want you guys to be able to see who New Japan Pro Wrestling is. And while the women's movement is new, what has been tried and true for them has been Hiroshi Tanahashi and Okada. And so they gave us a double main event. Now, you can't argue with a double main event because in a double main event, somebody has to go first and somebody has to go last. I thought it worked well. I thought it worked very well. Mercedes Monet wins this. And let me just start by saying this. The proper pronunciation is Mercedes Monet, not Mercedes Monet or Mercedes Money. And I think that everybody's been kind of in a chokehold over how to pronounce it. It is Mercedes Monet. All right. Understanding that she is our new IWGP Women's Champion. I think we are starting to see an amazing rivalry between her and Kyrie. What a match. They went over 25 minutes. And so as I'm thinking to myself and as many others are probably thinking, why did Mercedes leave the bright lights, big cities and massive production of the WWE to head over to New Japan Pro Wrestling? I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, she's always dreamt about that. She's a true wrestling fan, and true wrestling fans realize that there's more to pro wrestling than just what happens in the United States. Secondly, what else was there left for her to do in the WWE? She left as a tag team champion. She was unhappy with not just the way the tag team division was being presented, but the way the women's division in general was being presented. Number three, when has she been given the opportunity to fully run with the ball? In the WWE, she's never been the main one. She's always been compared to a Charlotte who has been given more opportunity or a Becky or even a Bailey at this point, right? When has Sasha been given the full ball to run with? In New Japan, she gets to do that. The brand new women's division, the partnering with stardom, the rise of the incredible women with stardom, it all makes sense. And so it makes sense that Mercedes is getting what I call the Hulk Hogan treatment. Now, some may not remember, but when Hulk Hogan made his debut in the WWE, he pretty much had his first match for the WWE Championship in Madison Square Garden, where he wins and Hulkamania is born. Mercedes Monet, there was no other way for this to go but for her to win the championship. And she did in an amazing match. Her skills look fantastic. I think she's going to fit in with New Japan and stardom incredibly well. And we have a whole new thing happening in terms of this movement. Shout out if you watched the match to Bailey who it was very clear Mercedes did a tribute to Bailey in the match with that Bailey to belly suplex that she had. The crowd started chanting Bailey. They were in Bailey's hometown of San Jose. I have no doubt that Bailey was backstage. Trinity was probably backstage as well. I mean, it also explains why Bailey was not on the card at Elimination Chamber. So yeah, there's a lot of things that just are working out. And I love, shout out to Triple H for allowing these folks to continue to support Mercedes and all that she's going through and all that she's dealing with. There's, by the way, a great mini documentary right now on Mercedes Monet and her road to Wrestle Kingdom. It's on her YouTube page right now. Go check it out. She talks about all of the great support she's been getting. She talks about Bailey showing up and Trinity showing up at Wrestle Kingdom and even the great text message she got from Triple H. Go check it out. I think it is absolutely 
awesome. The show ends, of course, with Kazuchika Okada defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi to retain the IWGP World Championship. I will say this. Tanahashi is 46 years old. Not that 46 is old at all, especially not in the world of Japanese wrestling. But it's clear that he's a step slower. It's clear that it's just not hitting the way that it used to for the ace of New Japan. So that match didn't have as much to it. I also feel like it was hard to follow that Kyrie and Mercedes match. So, yeah. But to me, the go-home image, which I thought was interesting, was Okada offering to tag with Tanahashi to reform their dream team and become the IWGP tag team champions. That's very interesting to me. Then Mercedes Monet comes out and says that perhaps her and Okada would be a dream team, and there's no arguing with that. But I think it was a big moment to have both of them standing there as the go-home image for Battle in the Valley. Great, great pay-per-view, I think, from New Japan. Great way to establish themselves as New Japan strong in the States. I want to know, did you check out this amazing pay-per-view? If you did, what were your thoughts on it? Let us know right now in the comments on the socials. We'll be keeping you posted because, of course, we're on the road to WrestleMania. As we mentioned, part of that road to WrestleMania and WrestleMania week will include Multiverse United, Only the Strong Survive, as Impact and New Japan come together for a joint card happening Thursday night, March the 30th in L.A., that's going to be crazy. There's so much wrestling happening that weekend, also including Ring of Honor's Super Card of Honor. That should be special on top of so many other cards. GCW, there's the Collective for the Culture, all of these other big events that are happening out there. We'll be keeping you posted on that as we are headed to the road to WrestleMania. Until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I lead my 